Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome, everyone, to Nintendo Voice Chat, episode 368. We have an awesome show for you, as usual. Um, today on the show, we're going to bring you the latest news. A couple of things that, uh, a couple of announcements have just hit that have me very excited, like Super Meat Boy. Uh, we're going Ooh, to talk about the games we're playing. And then we have a special guest for the second half of the show. We're going to talk about Rocket League coming to the Nintendo Switch. But before we go into all of that, Here's your panel. Hey. We only have three people here right now because we have to leave uh, room for our guest later. Who, who are you? you? You said that sort of anticlimactically. You said before, let I'm me introduce. I'm so sorry. Here's your panel. <sighs> Yet again, these great, two great, idiots. Just great people, though. I, mean, I know you guys said no, but we no? have Zach back. Oh, Zach didn't Ryan. say no. That's fine. Yeah. And we've got Brian back. You've all tried to stop me, but here I am again. Brian Altano. Yeah. But more importantly, we have Super Meat Boy on Nintendo Switch. That's, that's, that's the big great one, news. huh? That's what we're leading with? I'm really excited <laughs> about this. this is a, it's a good game. It's super hard. I hate it and I love it. Yeah. But it's, it's just wonderful that um, some of the, like, the more iconic indie games now are following suit, are yep. coming over. Yeah. So I think it's just really cool for, for the Switch to have I, this I think, many games. I think most specifically, we're seeing this really cool trend where developers are announcing their Switch ports by tweeting a photo of a <laughs> of Nintendo Switch, Switch. Yeah. with their game on it. And yeah, it's uh, super cool. We saw this from Super Meat Boy, from the developers over there. And then moments later, I think it was like an hour or two later, we saw Jules Watson, who's been making 3DS Nintendo games yep. in general for years now, uh, tweeted out a picture of Mutant Muds running on switch yep and so that's coming too it's kind of a cool way to sort of be like we did it i don't know if any of these things are photoshops or if they're actually running i don't really care it means they're working on it so that's pretty yep. awesome but seriously the bigger announcement last week of course is uh, apollo justice coming to the 3ds <laughs> uh, it's an old Bears 2008 trolling. game I, I i love the uh, ace attorney games i Me really too. like them it's get, actually getting an, a visual upgrade for the 3ds it comes out uh, i think in november uh, and uh, in a in a very uh, cool move it actually has the japanese and the english versions included that's really so you, cool you can switch the game to japanese and it's not just voice uh, and, and language it's actually it's some well. of the backgrounds and mm. some of the art is awesome. different for the japanese version no, no that's a big an announcement that's an interesting move that they would change over the art 
in the in a domestic version versus an import version as well. Like that, yeah. that's pretty cool. That's I mean, yeah. background drawings. Sometimes you know, yeah. obviously signs and like the food you eat is different yeah. in those games. That's really but no, cool. The, the big announcement is the uh, uh, you know we've we've complained about not getting the special edition for for Metroid that is coming out in the UK for the 3DS, but we are actually getting a special edition Samus edition new 3DS XL in the United States. Yeah, uh, announced for two hundred bucks. Comes out September fifteenth, same mm-hmm. time as the game. Are you getting one or no? I hope you guys didn't buy a two DS XL last week. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? There's it's like, never a right time to buy a nope. Nintendo handheld. I have I have the Majora's Mask limited edition three DS. Yep. And to me, that will always be the three DS that with I that? love and that, that I use. Yeah, and I'll definitely stick with that. I do think not you you kind of thought the opposite, but I do think that the uh Special edition, the Samus special edition is really cool looking. Mm. I think it's really neat. Um, if you're a huge Metroid fan and you've been holding out for the new 3DS, then this is obviously the move to make. Yeah. Um, but that being said, like I like, you, I've already, I'm already all in on a 3DS. Do you like it? I don't do, you, do you like need... the way it looks? I, I don't like it at all. Okay. Like I, Zach mentioned the um, the Majora's Mask one. I think that thing is gorgeous. Like yeah. I think that's like a perfect way to handle the design. It's got sort of elements from the four major dungeons in that game yeah. kind of emboldened on the back. Mm-hmm. It's got the um, masks. Yeah, and it's it's gold, right? It's got this yeah. glow to it. It's awesome. You that's see it and you want to pick it up. That's why I bought it because it was yeah. baller. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool looking. And this one is sort of, it's got this silhouette of Samus in her pose from Metroid Prime, which we saw remade for uh, this the, one, new, right? for the yeah. new one's coming out. Yeah. With so the they arm actually, out. Yeah. They actually, in an official like, artwork, which they've been like pretty cool and trickling out, yep. they redid that pose from Prime. And she's got, it's that sort of like leaning back, like mm-hmm. on one knee, arm cannon out. And so they put that on there. I'm okay with that. And then there's sort this kind of like, shape hex hexagonal thing so that, in the background and it's red on the front it's kind of like the, the visor back. stuff right like the the kind of kind of but not really it just looks like the pattern yeah it just looks like a it's, weird like wallpaper it's very deus exy right kind like, of yeah. yeah 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 it is very deus. i think I, I, do like, wanted, I do like the color scheme though kind of it's so bold cool. you know yeah. it's like that that kind of golden red obviously these colors work very well together well, yeah. yeah it's an nvc system there they are. Yeah. but but i'm 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 kind of i'm okay I, I like it, but I don't love it. I have to be honest. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm exactly so for 200 bucks and I also, without a game in it. Unless you're, I know. Like, unless you're like a diehard Metroid fan, I'm not really, I'm not really convinced of who exactly this is for. Right. I mean, yeah. obviously it is for diehard Metroid fans, but also how many more games can we really expect to see on the 3DS? I think that's the big question in everybody's mind right now is like, obviously those games have been sort of slowing. We have a couple of announcements here of stuff that's coming still, yeah. but it's like eventually within the next couple of years, I think we're all thinking that that's going to dry up. And it's like, well, I guess you can get this now, but there's also a, a whole generation of 3DS uh, XLs out there, new 3DSs that yeah. are already there, already cheaper. I mean, you'll be, able to, you'll be able to play a brand new Metroid game on it, which is really cool, but that's not in the box. Yeah. Like, there isn't even a download code, which I'm, I'm always like kind of really puzzled by that move. Yeah, if you're going to make a special edition console, tie it to the, tie it to the game yeah, itself. Yeah, the really game in there, right? It's, it's, there. it's yeah. price point perception, right? They want to, uh, and, and obviously they also have, they do have a special edition in the US which has the soundtrack, right? And they don't want to kind of lock you in where people go, oh man, I wanted the soundtrack and the system and this. And it's, I understand why they offer some of that stuff a la carte, but it still sucks. Hair, price. You you saw the uh, attach rate numbers for Breath of the Wild when yep. the, when the when the Switch launched. 
and we found out that that game sold more copies than Switches, yep. which means that people bought two copies like I did. I bought that game digitally, and I also bought one of the big like special edition boxes yep. because it's a cool box, and it came with some extra stuff. I think diehard Metroid fans, which is apparently what they're going for here, are the kind of people that would buy both. So Maybe. it seems odd to yeah. sort of segregate you might be right. Well, well, folks, let us know in, in the comments what you think. Um, you know, do you love uh, do you love the system? Do you like the look of the system? Are you going to get one? Let us know. Uh, another announcement: Nintendo announced that the uh, Nintendo World Championships are coming back. So for the fir- for the third time um, this year, October seventh in New York, um, people will be uh, able to compete. You know, the first one was all the way back in the nineties, and then obviously Nintendo made a big splash in two thousand fifteen at E three uh, by bringing the tournament back. There'll be two brackets: under twelve, over thirteen. Um, Which one are you going to join, Brian? Which one are you going to do? Both. Okay. Nice. Um, I have a fake mustache. The game, though, the game may surprise you that they chose uh, as the headliner. It's Mario Kart 7. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the old Mario Kart 7, but of course, um, that's because you can, uh, you can participate when you go to Best Buy stores, play it there, uh, get your, get your qualifying times in and all that. And then, you know, go to the big event and, and compete there. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of this whole thing. Cause like that old logo is really cool. Like that whole, the, all of the fanfare, the history behind the Nintendo World Championships is really cool. So it's cool to like to see yeah. that keep going. I think as a retro yep. Nintendo fan and somebody who grew up in a time when the Nintendo World Champions was still a thing yeah it's really exciting to see that especially that retro logo like they still use the same branding and they're bringing it back to a new audience yeah i think it's really cool yeah i kind of want that shirt that oh. thing's really cool yeah. you, you want I'll, that shirt yeah well let's buy it how about let's get them how about, together do you want that let's apple do, do you want that apple you can get for following the zelda news feed oh yeah <laughs> That was my main problem with Breath of the Wild. Let's break this down. There were not enough apples in that game. I never so, had enough apples. Okay. Here, how can I get more apples I, I was, in Breath of the Wild? The hardest to find item in Zelda Breath of the Wild. All right. We don't mean to confuse you, but a new update rolled out where, um, you know, Nintendo now can give, uh, give out incentives for following the news feeds on the Switch. You know, if you go into the news section, you can sign up for a channel, mm-hmm. um, and then you get updates and there are now rewards tied to it. And, if you follow the the Zelda feed, obviously, hopefully, there'll be greater things in the future. But one of one such reward was an apple. Yeah. So the way this works is you uh, subscribe an to the in-game apple. In-game yes. apple. You subscribe to the news. Get your apple. What? You didn't get your apple booted up, man. Okay. Come on, Brian. You subscribe to the news feed, and if you launch the game through the news feed, which has like this weird ad for dogs in the game, they're like, dogs can be your friend in the game, which is not really true uh, because you can't pet them. I was going to say, can you finally pet them? You can't pet them yet. But you can run around them, and then they lead you to buried But they're like, you know what? You know who really loves apples is dogs. So they give you like apples and steaks. So basically, you launch the game. Me neither. That's insane. If you launch the game through this this feed, uh, apples and steaks fall from the sky like you scanned an amiibo which is just weird and i guess then you have to bring them to a dog if you want or you can just eat them on the field like a weird dude i get i mean look i love I, I love the concept yeah. i think it's really it's a really cool marketing idea to get yep. you to subscribe to a newsletter sure. right? basically which is what that is um but yeah they could launch it with something uh something more meaningful so hopefully we'll see some stuff from that yeah i hope we get some cooler stuff later on yeah. uh so a bunch of games are coming out next week we're not going to talk about these um this week sonic mania obviously um, which we have seen, but we can't talk about yet. Chicken Wiggle, which we played on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, Mutant Muds. Yep. You know, same tiny two-man dev team is working on this. Very um, feels a lot like it, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more when you guys have had a chance yeah. to play more of it. Um, I'm digging it so far. Um, but another another update that came out was uh, Arms. 
Yeah, you yeah. Know, and you're you're a big arms fan. I think you've stuck with it much longer than we have. Yes, I have a couple of arms myself that yep. I like to employ occasionally. <laughs> Beautiful. Here arms they are. There, yeah. I'll wiggle them around like yep. this. Um, yeah, arms. So Nintendo's been doing a really interesting thing with arms, and um, I think more so than they have for Mario Kart or or even Splatoon is that they are continually making these minor tweaks. And uh, we've kind of caught some flack uh, a couple of times by missing a few of these smaller updates. And they rolled out a really big update to Arms this week. Missing um, on NVC, we did. We yeah, didn't talk yeah. About and it I much. think it's yeah. I think it's we've just run up against bigger news in the last couple of weeks than an Arms update. Yeah. But people want to know about the stuff that's going on with Arms. And as somebody that's you know, uh, in between rounds of Splatoon, I'll occasionally jump back into arms and keep playing. And that is a really, a really cool game. And I think that it's not, people obviously really dig it and it's, it's sold really well, but I don't think the conversation is really happening there as much as, as it's happening for Splatoon. And I think it's for Zelda specifically is what you're saying. I think Splatoon sort of cannibalized that conversation. Yeah. I think that like those games, like when we look back on this year, when we look at these, like this sort of every month, there's been a significant Nintendo release. And I think in some ways that's been fantastic because we always have something new to play. But in other ways, you know, the momentum of arms pretty much just stopped. goes just like this, just like that. And just the, then the arm got wiggly and it fell, but Splatoon came out and we all just moved right onto that. And they've had these like weekend, you know, splat fest and all Mm -hmm. this other stuff. And it's sort of just taken over that conversation. But yeah, I'm the same way. I still like fire up arms every now and so then. They, and yeah. I mean, arms. some of the, the updates they released now, they're tweaks, right? So they added yeah. new training so exercises. They got training exercises. Nothing to get you excited though, right? Like what, what's the exciting Honestly, part like, of this update? I really, I really dig the training exercises or the idea that there would be training exercises because as a casual arms player myself, I often feel like I'm still playing the game incorrectly. Yeah. So the idea that, that I can jump in and do some training exercises and get ready for like competitive play online, like that's really cool to me. Um, they changed the way that the rush gauge fills, which is great because that means that wasted punches don't yield a reward. Yep. Um, there's three to four player modes uh, that target switch instru- with that shows target switch instructions. So that's actually really good. That's yeah. a good update because that was uh, it was confusing when you played um, with more than two players yeah. because you have to switch uh, the targets and it wasn't readily apparent. And I think a lot of people who just jumped into the game really struggled with that, always mm-hmm. facing the wrong person. So yeah. that's a cool little that's update. That's a huge that's a huge update, yeah. Right. Um Adjusted hitboxes is probably the biggest one. Okay. Um, just being able to, like, I, I think the thing about ARMS is that it does, it started well, on launch, it did feel a little loose, not mm-hmm. as, not as tight as like, obviously not as tight as like a street fighter or something sure. like that, where it's like, when you throw a punch, you know exactly how it's going to land, how it's going to hit, the damage that's going to be inflicted yep. there. So these adjusted hitboxes will really, it, it it's a really big step towards becoming a, a legitimate fighting game like Definitely. along the lines of like professional esport fighting rank yeah. kind when, of thing. When you talk to like you know, uh, pro Street Fighter players, that's always that what the whole conversation about, right? is just about Like they know exactly, yeah. the, they're like Chun-Li's kick stops exactly right here and can be impacted this way, this way, this way. So from this distance, from this distance, I know the exact move to make. Um, and seeing arms head in that territory is really cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'll jump back in though. The, the next update has me a little bit more excited and that's a, a, a brand new character, mm-hmm. right? We haven't seen that. They, they well, they did. They, they brought in Max Brass, um, right? But but he was a boss, right? Yeah, he was already in the game, but then they they made him playable, which is cool. Um, and overall, they're making tweaks to if you if you go and look at the the up the patch notes, they're making tweaks to every single character in the game. So yeah. this is just a, a nice little. Um, this little tip of the hat to ARMS fans from Nintendo who yep. they're saying like, hey, we hear you. We hear what you're saying. We're still supporting this game. And, you know, I think that one thing that they've done really well for Splatoon is they've said, we're going to roll out DLC for a year. We're going to roll out Splatfest for two years. But for ARMS, they're like, 
Arms is here. It's, it's out there. You yeah. can play it. But I think they're being a little more discreet about the way that they're supporting arms. But it is important to note that they are. And yeah. they are making yeah. changes continually. And they are con- like making that a game that came out that launched and it was very good. And they're going in and making it iteratively better. So, so you know, speaking of uh, making things iteratively better, obviously Splatoon 2 um, keeps getting uh, little updates as well. But bigger than that was the Splatfest. True. Uh, that just concluded. It was mayo versus ketchup. Right. And I would they, just... They went with those colors. I was not expecting that. They did. It that was, was awesome. It's disgusting. It, it was, was so gross. good. Oh, my nah, God. I love that. You guys awful. didn't like that? No, blood it was and pus. Just, like old white, oh, yellow. Wait and for blood. chocolate versus vanilla, man. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, yeah. It's going to um, be poopsie. I, I, would, I would like to take this opportunity to announce that um, Mayo did win. Yes, yeah. two to and, one. And uh, suck at Brian. Because oh, he yeah. was on Team Ketchup. Good point. Good. Yeah. I still am on Team Ketchup because that's a more versatile condiment that you can put on a lot of different things. So, it doesn't taste like old weird eggs and cream. So suck it. I think it was really interesting that uh, the popular vote went to Ketchup. Of course. Um, yeah. All the kids. Yeah. Right. Oh, and then, the kids. But yeah. Mayonnaise still ended up winning because kids of didn't the show way. Up, man. Well, that's true. Also, they're terrible at video games. Yeah. Am I right? Am I, um, am I outnumbered in the catch-up thing right now? Yes. You guys are both yeah. nice. Miranda, please come back. Yeah. Help me. Um, but I think that the way that they tally uh, points for winning is kind of messed up. Like the meta behind the way that they calculate who's the victor. Because it was popular vote, winner gets one point. And then single match winner gets one point, And then team match winner gets yep. one point. And so what ended up happening was catch-up slaughtered when it came to the popular vote, but players for Team Manage just yeah. brought the fury and won more matches in both single yep. and team modes. So... So I played both. I played. Uh, it was I a played, close. It was a close call. But I played some yeah. single player, and you know, um, there. I I ran into a, a bunch of strong catch up players. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> How old are we? Strong. Uh, but I also players. played teams. So I had my uh, my my daughter got back from. Uh, she spent um, a couple of weeks in Germany with her parents, and we played a little bit online before. Your daughter was spending some time with her parents, and you with weren't my there? parents. There you go. Um, in Germany, God, um, she came back. Right, uh, you know, uh, uh, actually, we we played Splatfest together while she was in Germany, and we made a team. So cool. That's um, awesome. So cool. And so my two boys on the couch next to me in handheld mode, me on the TV, and then my daughter in Germany all the way so over there. So cool. Sitting under my parents' stairs because that's the only place that Wi-Fi works. That's amazing. At like <laughs> yeah. 1 a.m. at night. Uh, don't tell my parents. Um, but we played, and we had we had an awesome time. Uh, you know, it was just really uh, great playing with a diverse team. We had a roller, we had a sniper. We had, nice. You know, dualies um, and and air spray it was it was so much fun we we didn't stop playing until we all hit king and queen level mm. that's great and uh no i had a fantastic time and and i just love the concept of splatfest like to go back and compete for something and have that kind of team allegiance it, it worked really well for me we did have a bunch of uh, disconnects so i don't yeah. know if you ran into that too. no i i definitely did and that was that was a bummer i mean i think that's something that we'll probably talk about down the road some changes that we want to see in splatoon but yeah i, I think infrastructure wise i think stress test wise i think you know internet wise in general a uh, splatfest was a challenge to a lot of people and we did hear a lot of stories about matches being made ketchup versus ketchup uh, a lot of the time because they were so overwhelmingly popular on that team i, I think that that more so than anything is going to have to be the problem that nintendo rectifies is like how do you 
how do you get people to split evenly yeah. between those two teams? Because like if you have a 70-30 split, you're going to end up with way more people just playing their own teams. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there, I, I mean, there, there are a couple of other issues. Just teaming up with a friend was just very difficult. You know, yeah. um, I, I didn't have this problem in the end because we're four people. So we had a team we could play team mode. But there really isn't a reason to not support teaming up with a friend who's on the same team and, and sticking together. So a bunch of uh, infrastructure changes that I, I would – certainly welcome mm-hmm. um, for the future and uh, might be uh, something we, we talk about in a, in a future episode of NVC. But before we get to that, let's talk about the games we're playing. And sure. as usual, it's a, it's a huge list of, of indie games that every, it seems like every week, new indie games and not just ports of older games like Super Meat Boy, but actually games that are now releasing day and date with the PC and Steam counterparts. I, I think that's like one of the most sort of fascinating things we're seeing on Switch is that games that would used, used to just launch on Steam or on Steam and a bunch of other platforms are launching day and date on Switch and Steam at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they're like games you might not have heard of, you might not have paid attention to. I find myself, and I've said many times, I think we all have in the show, like gravitating towards games on Switch that I might not normally yep. play because of that handheld appeal, right? Yeah, that, absolutely. That thing that you can just kind of curl up on the couch or sit in an airplane or in a, mm-hmm. in a car or something like that, hopefully not while you're driving, and yep. just play some video There's games. There's a challenge. So, that so, is so first hard. up, we've got from Tiny Build, uh, we have Phantom Trigger. It's 15 bucks. Yeah. I haven't been able to play this this yet have you guys played it yeah uh, so I, I haven't played it but i have seen the trailer and yeah. correct me if i'm wrong here but it gives off this super cool uh kind of like hyper light drifter vibe definitely definitely yeah. so i put some time in last night a couple hours i really dig this game um the presentation's a little like in terms of like the story is a little interesting because it, it starts with like a husband and wife in a kitchen and like the husband the, the wife is cooking food and the husband sort of collapses and has to go to the hospital and then there's this flashback or flash sideways or flash forward into this like weird nether realm where everything is neon and intense and you have this awesome sort of hack and slash-ish kind of RPG uh, that occasionally like you'll get through a cut, uh, an area and it'll cut back to like the hospital and you're like, so it's a lot What's of interest- going on there. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on story wise, but gameplay wise, uh, the reason I really like this game is because you are this weird little character with this kind of like just so it's just like me, just hits home. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you have just this you really have the, weird little gremlin, just yeah. a weird little goblin boy, hateful little man. I'm not hateful, and I am not little. <laughs> I am kind of gremlin or goblin esque. Well, you, I will take that. You're shrinking. I'm not, well, not vertically. Get back to the topic at hand. We don't have that much time. Right. Son of a- so anyway, uh, this game is basically a top-down hack-and-slash, very 16-bit, very neon. Um, the cool thing about it is that you have three different attacks that can all be leveled up based on how you use them. So the Y button, the X button, the A button all sort of represent different, like, here's a sword, here's a fist, and here's a whip. Hmm. And each one of those can be, like, they have their own meters that can kind of increase. And there's, like, some roguelike elements where when you die, you lose some things and you gain some things and carry over, but they can be used sort of in combination to create different kind of effects. What I don't like so far is that a lot of the enemies are, while kind of clever because they force you to use all these different attacks, feel a little repetitive so far. And I haven't really run into any like sort of significantly grand scenarios, like any sort of big bosses or anything like that. But I think those things are coming. What would you liken it to? Like what's it most like? Um, I would say like it feels kind of like linked to the past ish, um, with some sort of hyper light drift. There's a really good comparison. Um, but then a lot more neon, you know, it's a lot more kind of, it's, it's got, it's got a lot of elements that like we see in a lot of indie games these days where the art direction is kind of nebulous, but it's still really fun and it's crazy bright colors. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that's, I, did, uh, I really dig it. It's another, 15 bucks, I mean, 15 bucks and it's out. 
You can it's play it right yeah. now. Uh, another game came out that's uh, Severed. Yep. Also 15 bucks. So this Ooh, one, art style-wise, if you've played Guacamole before, obviously, you know, Drinkbox, the developer, um, definitely has a unique style. Yeah. And, and uh, this game is no different. It's, it looks crazy. It's it's. Very, it's a very unique game. Yeah, I love this game. Yeah, uh, I totally missed it last year when it came out on Vita, and I played probably two hours of it last night. It is so cool. Um, it's this weird, like point and click Metroid Zelda mashup. Yeah, uh, where you're kind of exploring this series of like uh, dungeons and forest areas and finding like heart upgrades and mana upgrades. But then also I I kept having this continual, uh, sensation while I was playing it. Like, Oh, I didn't realize you could do that in this well, game. It's got you yeah. bring up Zelda and Metroid, but it's like gameplay wise is completely different. It's like yeah. you're getting a first person view of an area. You can turn any direction, and when you move through the map, it actually almost it fades it's you like, to the yeah, next area, yeah. almost like a VR game. It or feels miss, like, it's right? like yeah, yeah, like yeah. This but, is a weird thing to say, but it's just like you just tick forward or tick yeah, left yeah. or right. Like it's it, just one step at a time into these different areas. Um, but then it does these things that we've seen in, in games like Skyward Sword where an enemy has to be attacked right. at like an angle well, or so, sliced that's, in a certain that's way. The, that's the thing we're kind of dancing around here. Uh, you can control motions with the any of the shoulder buttons or uh, sorry, the face buttons or uh, sticks. But. All the combat and all the interaction is all touchscreen. Right. So you can't play this game docked. You can't play it on your TV. You can only Whoa, play it in handheld mode. So yeah. that's obviously a big deal, right? Yeah. So people like to play games on their TV. What happens? You can't. You can't. And this is tough luck. You can't. So if you put it in the dock, a, a, a little warning pops up and it said, this game is meant to be played handheld. Interesting. And that's the only option that you have. And you end up kind of like, you end up playing it sort of like this if you obviously you can't see if you're listening to this audio wise but like I'm just holding my switch with one hand controlling motion with the left stick and then swiping you know left or right with the on the screen itself and it gets a little cumbersome like yep. it does you know like there is some fatigue there but um, did you try like detaching the Joy-Con and playing like that no like, I didn't but I should give that yeah, a shot um, like that. I think it is a sort of just sort of a brilliant game yeah. I love Drinkbox I love Guacamelee and it's it's a continuation on those ideas but a completely different take I I, I really the, love the it the thing I like there there um, times you know you'll see an enemy far ahead in the dungeon mm-hmm. you get close to it and it'll appear full screen basically in mm-hmm. front of you and then another enemy may behind appear yes. behind you so, and it, it shows you that's when the depth really time manage yeah. between the two like it's this, this guy for a little bit build up your meter turn around exactly. you can get up to a point where I, I don't know that I haven't seen any more than three enemies at a time but it's this crazy risk reward gameplay almost like the way that you play Dark Souls where you're like okay I can get in a few more hits here and then I have to attack this enemy to negate his incoming attack or I have to turn around and block somebody and so you have these time gauges that you're watching where it's like as one enemy fills you have to attack to the left and then watch the gauge to your right so that you can turn back this way and fight this enemy at the right time and um, there's times when when if you attack and they block, you lose your special meter and it's just... And it all kind of falls apart. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so there's these systems that are stacked one on top of the, each other in combat that really introduce a lot of depth really fast. Like the learning curve is really steep. It's a super it, the, cool game. Like the sort of like pro, like multitasking micromanagement of, yeah. of the systems of that is, is where Severed really shines for me. Also, the art direction is just gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and it's just a really interesting story. I mean, I'm, I don't want to spoil anything, but like just right off the bat, you're sort of hit with this gut punch of like what yep. is happening to this main character. Yeah. When I first played Severed, I thought I was I was a little disappointed. 
uh, to be frank, because I'm such a huge Guacamelee fan and I don't feel like it hits the same highs as that game. But once I got that out of my system, that this is not the sequel to Guacamelee, this mm-hmm. is them trying something completely new, I really fell in love with it. It's yeah, I I, I like all the, the combat. Everything feels really good, and I love the universe. It's like I don't like that motion of kind of like phasing through the levels. I would have preferred it if it was a little bit more free exploration. But I just think it's so unique. I mean, it's definitely worth a look if you're playing on the go. Obviously, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, do not play it on your screen. So our guest is knocking on the door, and he's going to come in in a second. We'll have Jeremy Dunham on from uh, the Rocket League team, mm-hmm. bringing Rocket League to the Switch. But before we get there, just super quick impressions of the other two games that came sure. out. One was Rocket Fist. Rocket Fist, yes. This not is this, Rocket League. Not Rocket no. League, so totally this is very different. different. Um, this is a sort of top-down uh, kind of robot dodgeball video game. Yep. Um, yep. Presentation-wise, it's a little bare-bones. The music isn't great. The graphics are kind of like minimalist and a little, kind of, to be frank, a little uninspired here and there. Yep. But when you get down to the gameplay, it's really fun. It's got a bunch of single-player stuff that you can play through against bots. But there's like a multiplayer mode that feels very sort of like Wii Sports. Um, where you get multiple people around a Switch, and you yep. can all play with different Joy-Cons. And you're basically thing is there there are these balls you pick up and you throw them at each other and try to kill each other and that's it and it's very simple and, but it's and it's all bucks. it's all physics based yeah. so it's like it's like pool basically right yeah, you want to bounce the shots off the walls to hit the enemies some enemies uh take multiple hits yep. they pick up the balls that you shoot and shoot them back at you so it's uh it can be really frantic but mm-hmm. i haven't tried the multiplayer yet so i definitely want to yeah we should that. play later it's cool uh and finally iron cast uh this is one of the hardest games i've ever had to describe so it's a sort of a steampunk based or Steampunk inspired turn-based strategy RPG uh, with match three puzzle elements and permadeath. Nice. So it's just wow. all of the buzzwords. And I was like, when I first started playing this game, I was like, this is exceptionally obtuse. This is like so confusing. And then it sort of locked in and I was like, I kind of get it. So the main crux of this game is you've got this sort of like match three style puzzle s- situation in the middle, kind of like Puzzle and Dragons or Zookeeper or something like that. Uh, and on the left and right, you have these gigantic robot mechs that are steampunk ex- inspired and they're facing each other and battling each other. And based on the, the levels, the systems that you level up based on the gems that you match and stuff, you can increase sort of their damage, their height um, and attack each other. There are so many little microsystems at play throughout all of this that it gets like incredibly confusing. And if you lose a mech, it's pretty much gone for good. But you can go in the shop and get more. Uh-huh. Um, this is a really deep game. It's really interesting. It's definitely not for anyone, or for not anyone, for everyone. <laughs> it's not, for, not anyone. for anyone. No one should ever play this game. Uh, there's your box quote. No, it's a uh, it's a really special, really interesting game. So go check this one out. Um, I think I'm going to play a lot of it because it's just really cool. Very cool. Uh, those are our impressions of the latest games that came out for the the Switch this week. Uh, we'll have have more next week as we said hopefully sonic will be able to talk about that and then yeah, chicken wiggle sure. on the ds and i'm sure there'll be lots of new announcements but we're going to take a little break we will make uh, jeremy dunham from uh, sonic he'll magically appear magically appear in that spot over there so stay tuned if you want to learn more about rocket league which we have played on many other platforms before and loved it and so we have high hopes for it for the switch version too and welcome back to NVC for our second half here. As promised, we have a special guest this week, and that guest is Jeremy Dunham. Hi. Welcome, Thank Jeremy. You. What's Thank up, you, Jeremy? Jeremy, who the hell are you? Uh, I'm just a guy. I work at Psyonix. I'm the vice president of publishing over there, and I used to work here at IGN. I was going to say, you look a little familiar. Yeah. <laughs> you, we, we've seen each other around for a little bit. I was here for uh, 10 years. So did you cross God. over with Brian and Zach at all, or no? Uh, I, Obviously well, not. <laughs> 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 no, no. I started in uh, 1999. I left in 2009 to go work at uh, Zipper Interactive, which used to be a Sony development studio, and uh, I went to 
Psionics about uh, three and a half years ago. Right, I think so, you, you quit just as I started. Yeah. Which well, I, I knew you were coming. wasn't personal, but. Um, yeah. No, it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> so you That's were. That's crazy to think about because you actually quit. Uh, let's see. Several years before yeah. I started. Yeah. Did you guys cross over? No. no. Um, yeah, we crossed over in the, in the lobby about 20 yeah. minutes ago. So I don't think NVC obviously didn't exist back no. then, but Week in Review with Two Eyes existed. Right? It did. Yep. And yeah. uh, I also what? started Podcast Beyond. And, I was going to uh, just say made all of the uh, made all the editors do all their platform specific podcasts, which they all hated. <laughs> we have yeah, we have fond oh. memories of that time. Yes. So Jeremy obviously responsible for for a lot of the stuff that you're seeing today, like Beyond. Yeah, yeah. Beyond. Um, and uh, also also feared for his ferocity as editor in chief back in the days, <laughs> making just you were you were like a bulldog when it came to reviews. Yes, like, yeah. yeah. We had so I had this gigantic Excel. Li- you, I mean, I sent it to you. I know. Uh, there's <laughs> there's a gigantic Excel list that I kept of every game on every platform that I would then assign to all the editors site wide. And I looked at it so much that I actually at the when I knew it when I worked here I knew every release date for every game on every platform by memory. So people would always just ask me when's that coming out, and, and I'd would be able know? To tell, yeah, I would know. I can't do that anymore because I'm now much older and I can well, barely. It's also like thou- like back then there was only you know, 30, hundreds, 30, the, 40 games it, ever. There were, there no, were, no, there were hundreds. There <laughs> were a lot, and he insisted on reviewing all of them. <laughs> all of That's them. what he's famous for. Well, right? he's like we, your review for Putt Putt's Big Adventure. <laughs> we would review like Imagine <laughs> Puppy Babies and stuff like that. Yeah, Imagine yeah, Puppy Babies me. is a home it's, run. Can you imagine them? It was. It was. It was a different site focus then, right? Yeah. At that time, we were still very much a hardcore site, and it was. Uh, You're trying to say, Dunham? It was really well. Right now, it's a much different site, right? You're much broader appeal than True. it was when I was yeah. here. He saved himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. We still have lots of practice. <laughs> yeah, going, man, but so. uh, the whole the whole uh, idea then was I wanted to, us to be the resource for any any opinion you wanted about any game out there. You'd have somewhere to turn to, and you'd at least have someone's opinion on this game, no matter how big or small it was. Uh, and that was the whole uh, idea behind it. Sure. Uh, but in practice, it definitely was uh, could be an unwieldy beast. And uh, Craig Harris, in particular, who had the most games because he was working on the Game Boy, he was like, "Geez, I have to, I have to do another one. <laughs> I just wrote two reviews today." He was, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, good yeah well, you know, we sit, he sat next to me for years. Uh, but yeah, so th- I think uh, that you retired that I think immediately when I left, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I remember those days very fondly. I loved, I loved uh, working here. I loved working with the people that that were here. It was very much like a, a family, and uh, I learned a lot. Everything that I learned here, I now took with me to the other places I've worked. Now at Psionics, which I hope to never leave. I love it there, um, and it taught me a lot. It taught me everything I know about the games business. Well, we loved that time too. Yeah. So I was going to say, like, at what point were you like, I, I'm tired of, or not tired of? I've, I've covered video games a lot. I'm ready to make some. Yeah. Like, what, um, how do how do people make that leap? I mean, honestly, one of the reasons that I, I left was because there was a certain point, and I can't pinpoint a moment or a time. I just, I, I just kept waking up saying, man, I really want to make my own games as opposed to writing about someone else's. And I, at that point, I'd already done, I don't know, hundreds if not more than a thousand reviews personally, plus all the articles and other things. And I, had, uh, I was always a writer by nature, even before I worked at iGen. I like to create stories, and, uh, and, and so I just had this desire to kind of move on to the to a different chapter and i needed i needed that and it's also um i mean frankly speaking uh i was i loved our old format and i was very resistant the resistant kind of uh uh, old guy like no no i like it no video Mm -hmm. and so you know and and so for me i thought it was a perfect opportunity i i uh, no video is big fan of it's just 
the 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 wider stream, the list heavy stuff. I was I was I liked the the many page reviews and really digging in there. You like the well, super yeah, I mean yeah. you you were you were definitely you were there in an era where um gaming was really Games media was really for core gamers, people who are who are looking for breakdowns yes. and how are the graphics in this game and how does the sound of this game compare to the other, exactly. right? Like, it was like resolutions were talked about. Right. And, and as gaming became more mainstream, there were a lot of people who just never flipped to page two. Exactly. No, I think yeah. Grand Theft Auto V was – IGN was probably the last big multi-page review we did here. Um, and I think even then people were like, well, just tell me in a tweet if it's good or not. It's like, well, it's yeah. kind of hard to do. Well, it is. But, so, it is. But, yeah. <laughs> fortunately, I mean, fortunately for you, in the time since your departure, yeah. we've gotten away from doing those list-type things. So, Yeah, and like, <laughs> I mean, if we learned anything from uh, when we learned anything from Back to the Future, um, it's that certain things come back, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I do think there is a time the now where, um, exactly, where uh, people who consume text reviews are probably going to be different people from those who watch a video review who are different people from those who watch just a Let's Play to get a sense of what well, it is. They're right? different from the people that just scroll to the bottom and just want to see that score, too. Yeah. So like I'm talking about catering to multiple audiences. So I actually think with the, you know, since reviews have scores, you can actually go for multi-page reviews or longer, more in-depth content. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely an audience for that. So we keep on looking at that. But we should, we should talk a little bit about your game, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's probably oh, yeah. Rocket League. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh is so, that the game you made? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, for us, it, it for you know some of the folks who've worked here a long time ago, um, you know, just kind of turning on the Nintendo live stream during E3 and seeing you pop up on the screen, it's like, yeah. oh my god, it's Jeremy! Yeah, I did. what are you my, doing there? Uh, my kids had the same reaction. They uh, uh, that was actually really great. I, I was the the fact that I was in that I was had that opportunity at all with Corey, our, who's our creative director. Um, was sort of something I never thought would ever happen. I never thought I'd be in any sort of Nintendo presentation <laughs> at all. And for a long time, I didn't even know if Rocket League would ever be on a Nintendo platform at all because the architecture is so different on the Switch compared to PC, Xbox, PlayStation 4. Sure. That for, uh, up, for the longest time, we weren't even sure if we'd be able to do the game on the system. So the fact that that actually came to be and Nintendo was so excited about Rocket League, I mean, they're really, really excited, uh, which has been great for us. That's because awesome. they've, they've, they've been fantastic to work with. Uh, it's it was sort of like a blur, but it was one that was fantastic, and the reception was great. So I mean, we're happy. So did they come to you guys and say, "Hey, look, we really believe in what you've got here. We want it in our system," or did you start playing around with like Switch architecture and and just start building Rocket League for a Switch and say, "Hey, look what we made." It was the former. They actually okay. came to us and they said, "Hey, we're working on this new system," uh, and we had to sign a whole bunch of stuff. That no says, kidding. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. Uh, and they said they gave us the hard sell. They're like, "This is what we want to do. We're putting a lot behind it. We believe in it." And you know, we were trying to get as much information, and we weren't sure in the beginning because yeah. we didn't. We it was so different that we weren't sure that we'd be able to get the game, a game that's very reliant on performance, yeah. to the Switch in a meaningful way. I mean, we could do it. You port anything to any platform, but is it going to be a good port? Is yeah, right. so you really... represent your product the way that it should. Exactly. Yeah. But there's performance, and then there's the online connectivity. I mean, one of the reasons, and we can go a little bit more into the history in a sec, but one of the reasons why so many people play Rocket League and still play it after two years on the market, yeah. right? I think it more, more, more players yeah. now than ever. Is because of online play, and it's yes. got great online play. And the Switch is a console designed to be taken with you. Yes. So by definition, that online play is going to disconnect right. when you're leaving the house, right? Just well, ask Splatoon. One of the things that encouraged me personally and just to get into the system itself was the very first question I asked them is like, well, look, I I want to know if you guys are going to support cross-network play because it's very important to us. It allows us to do matchmaking. 
And uh, depending on which political side of the hardware fence you're on, we get different answers from different publishers. Yeah. Nintendo said, whatever you need. I mean, that, wow. was, that was their Amazing. answer. That so that, but but there was not there was no hesitation because cross platform play in this case means potentially PC, PlayStation, and Xbox, right. right? Yeah. So two definitely two rival platforms that they care a lot about. Yeah, I mean that was my reaction. I'm like, so you'd be fine <laughs> with us playing <laughs> right. on PC, PlayStation right. Four, and Xbox. They're like whatever you need. So the announcement wow. of Rocket League at, at E3 this year, you know, when we were in the war room, they announced Rocket League was coming to the Switch. We were all really excited. And then there was that second announcement. It's like, also, you can play cross-platform yeah. against anybody in the world. Anybody. And all of us were boggled. Logis- yeah. How? The logistics behind that and the idea that, that the way that this thing interacts with the internet at large and the way that the PlayStation 4 interacts with the internet at large, like mm-hmm. those languages must be so different. Like, What are the challenges in bringing all those systems all botch, together? Eh? Actually, it's uh, all written in bots. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not easy. I mean, there, there is a ton of work that goes into it. And one of the reasons that uh, I think Psyonix has been so successful with Rocket League is we have incredible engineers, both on the client side and on the online services side. And to give you an idea, when we launched Rocket League, it was built by about 12 to 15 of us at Psyonix. At the time, we were uh, working on another game for Square Enix that was in a beta period called Nosgoth. That, uh, Square oh. Enix has since uh, canceled that project. Mm-hmm. And then after that cancellation, we were able to put the rest of uh, the Psyonix team on Rocket League. But it was a very small team. And since Rocket League has launched now, we've created an entire online services department, which at the time we didn't even have. All the online services in the, in the beginning were handled by our client engineers uh, and some of our uh, – even our producer on the title for a while. You know, that's how small we were. Um, but they take what's incredibly difficult and they make it look easy. Mm. Uh, because as far as the end user is concerned, it's just pressing a button and now you're in a game. And in fact, you can turn it on or off in the, in the options. You can do whatever you want. And the reason that it's so easy for – and easy is definitely a relative term. It's definitely difficult. But the reason it's easy for us to allow it to work is because we control everything. It's our matchmaking system. It's, it's, uh, we hide all the information from other platforms. Mm-hmm. So the only thing oh. you know when you're playing someone who's not on your platform is that they're on another platform. We don't tell you if it's – Switch or interesting. Xbox. Or, oh, that's yeah. really interesting. And like the other, the other reason why I thought it was improbable that anybody would pull this off, honestly, with the Switch against uh, you know the Xbox or, or the PC was that traditionally, I think it's fair to say that third parties have not supported Nintendo consoles with continuous content after launch, right? right. You, you would get a game like Call of Duty on the Wii with voice chat, actually, pretty early, but then there's the little asterisk saying it's not going to get this DLC right. pack. Or, right. So how, how do you manage something like that? That's our Whole, well, because it's, it's actually a benefit of cross-network, because the game is cross-network, all versions have to be the same. You can't have someone playing one version of the game while another audience is playing another and ha- make that work properly. So the way, And the way that we approach it is whatever the version of the game you're playing, it's not the inferior version. We want them to all feel and look like the same game across all platforms because no matter how big or small the audience is, if we're bringing the game to you, we want to make sure that it's the best game it can possibly be. And it never made sense to us to try to dumb down things or remove things because then it's not the Rocket League that everyone else is playing. It's important that everything that every, all other platforms have is also available on Switch. And that's why on Switch, all DLC that's available to all the other platforms will be on that, on that system, not only at launch but then going forward. Never gonna, there's never going to be a deviation unless we have something that's platform-specific, like, like the you know, Sweet View on yeah. PS4. Right. I, like, I see what you did there. Yeah, like the Mario stuff, yeah. yes. I was going to ask you about that. I mean, because that, yeah. that does work in reverse, right? Like if there is, say, specifically or, you know, hypothetically, a mm-hmm. Mario or Nintendo-shaped DLC, 
that would stay on Switch, but then are you looking at just basically cosmetic stuff that would be platform exclusive? One of the other reasons that Rocket League has been successful is we don't have any pay-to-win DLC. Everything in the game is cosmetic. So even even uh, our DeLorean from Back to the Future or the Batmobile from Batman v Superman, those don't have any advantages over anything else. There's no car mm-hmm. that goes faster. There's no car that hits harder. They all have the Definitely. exact same stats. Yeah. And the only – well, there's slightly – other differences. They have different hitboxes, mm-hmm. so that at least when you're playing it, it feels like you'd expect it to feel. Because obviously, a car that's low to the ground isn't going to have the same hitboxes a slightly larger, bulkier vehicle. But other than those shapes and hitbox differences, there's no differences. There's no difference between them statistically. A turn radius is sort of involved in that because the hitbox also naturally produces turn radius differences. But that's it. And, and that's, that will continue for anything, any new vehicle we ever introduce to the game. We will always follow that line of no vehicle is better than another. It's all about user preference. So now, it, what are you going to say? Yeah, so from a mechanical perspective, uh, under the hood, you have to roll out all updates at the same time across these Absolutely, platforms. Absolutely, yeah. Right? Simultaneous. Yeah. And it, it, it can create problems, too, because uh, Microsoft and uh, Sony, and now Nintendo, all have different uh, time time periods in which you have to submit things before you release it. So you're looking at some sort of oh, awful wow. Venn yeah. diagram to figure out when's the right time to launch your updates. We have we have some pretty dedicated producers that <laughs> figure it all out for us. But yeah, so you know, one platform you have to do several weeks earlier than another one. Right. Uh, and another one, like on Steam, because it's completely dev controlled, there is no submission process. You just push it when you're ready. Mm-hmm. So from a development standpoint, that's always the preferred one because we can just be working on something until the moment before we hit it live. But on consoles, the reality is you have to plan, in some cases, days in advance and others weeks, but it doesn't matter because they all have to happen at the same time. So you have to go for the furthest out possible time. So is like Nintendo a little more meticulous with what they do let or not let on the store? Is like certification more difficult with them? We haven't hit the certification point with, uh, with the game yet, and that's actually why one of the reasons we haven't announced a release date outside of holiday is because we can't commit to a specific date, and we're not going to until we know what that date is. Right. So uh, we haven't gone through that process. We've gone through pre, uh, some of the steps to go through pre-cert, which is basically a process by which you set the game up to let them know what's going to be in it to prepare them uh, for your certification build and get ready for the sorts of things that they'd be looking for. But so far, working with them has been very good. They've been very open. Um, documentation is easily accessed, and they have uh, some very helpful people that are they'll answer all our questions. And, and how is working with a system? I mean, the, the setup, the buttons are very similar, obviously, to yeah. the other consoles, but have you run into anything where you, where you have to kind of uh, cater to the fact that the controllers are a different shape or that the rumble is different, any of these things? Uh, some of the challenges that we had is if you play with the Joy-Con instead of a Pro Controller, yeah. which we're obviously going to say play with the Pro Controller because it's more conducive to the game, is we have quick chat icons. And that also ties into cross-network. We don't allow people to speak to each other across platforms in terms of text or voice. But uh, you, we do have quick communication with the directional pad. And when you're using a Joy-Con, and you, have the, you need to use that for chat, but also you need to move around and mm-hmm. handle your camera and do all these other things, that, that pre- presented some challenges. Uh, but we think we've got it figured out. I, we, had, uh, we had quite a few people uh, from the media come and play it at, at uh, E3. And all of the feedback when they played it was, it feels like Rocket League. Mm. So oh, awesome. for us, that, that's the best compliment The best thing to get. hear, yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, there are definitely challenges with that. And we're always trying to make refinements so that we can get it as close to 
the ideal experience as possible. If you're playing it like that, when you're not playing it like tabletop mode, for example, yep. it's fine. Once you move into tabletop and you're only using a single uh, uh, Joy-Con, it's... It can, it can oh, be I see you sure. supporting the signal, yeah. too. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, I mean, I, you, you were obviously one of the first teams to get early Switch hardware before it had a full name and everything like that. What was it like sort of like opening that box for the first time? Does it look anything like what we saw here? Did you find out more about sort of the bells and whistles of the system as, as time went on? They gave us a pretty good heads up before we got the dev kits. Uh, they had some pretty detailed documentation, and they walked us through a lot of what was expected before the dev kits were even available. And uh, a lot of uh, what's funny is when, uh, there's, when I was on this side of it, when I was on games editorial, you have this vision of the first time you see hardware for the first time. Like, oh, here it is. Yeah. Here's the Xbox One X and here's the Switch and all these other things. Uh, but really, it's just a cardboard box with a <laughs> with, a, with a, a black piece of plastic in it. Yeah, that's, right. that's what it, you're like. Burr, burr, well, here burr. it is. Yeah, yeah. I think. The, <laughs> but, I mean, it was cool. We're glad to get it. The sort of difference between a like a professional dev kit and the actual retail build of a console or a handheld is always fascinating to me because yeah. it's, oh, yeah. it's usually just a big black box with like some yeah. stickers on the side. It has like this weird like Metal Gear code word on the side of it. It's like yep. NXT dash O three or something like that. Oh yeah, it's 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 a little anticlimactic in that sense, right. but it's 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 incredibly beneficial once you do have it and you can start messing around with it and find out, oh, this isn't as hard as we thought, or here's something we thought wouldn't be a problem that t- turns out we really now have to start reevaluating how we're approaching it. The Joy-Con issue I mentioned earlier was one of uh, our big concerns where yeah. we were really concerned about it, and then once we started messing with it, like, okay, this isn't so bad. So you're right. talking about the single Joy-Con. Single, yeah. not, yeah. not yeah. when not it's the, not, yeah. it's t- tabletop mode, basically. Right, right. Yeah. So when you, when you saw this system, though, for the first time, did it mm. immediately immediately click for you and the team or did you look at it and you said oh man like is this gonna work because we got to be honest right even on on nvc here we're like it's a cool idea but will it be powerful enough Mm -hmm. how's that docking thing gonna work wait will games have different controls right did it immediately click or did did no it didn't immediately we had to think about it we had to really because it was uh the first time we saw it it was uh dave haywood and my uh, who's our ceo and myself and then our creative director uh corey davis that's who Nintendo presented it to. And uh, we, I mean, we had long discussions afterwards about the pros and the cons and, and what it really meant. Uh, and uh, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we really had the, back. the pros and the Joy-Cons. And we had to, <laughs> we had to really uh, assess what it would mean for Rocket League because without using the system, we had to think about the controls, which are incredibly important. And because it was also a handheld system, things like latency and other uh, very important issues to Rocket League were at the top of our mind. And, but the more we learned about the system, the more we got to mess around with it, it assaged those fears. We didn't even commit to Nintendo that we were going to release the game until around April. So, I mean, when before, I think actually a couple of people from IGN had asked us for quotes, and, and, I, and I responded with, uh, we're investigating it, because we yeah, were. Right. We, we didn't know for sure until April of this year that, okay, we're absolutely going to do this, because we wanted to make sure that we didn't jump in without knowing more about the system or... Uh, or did jump in and <laughs> found out, oh, wow, that was a big mistake. And that was right. Yeah, you guys didn't want to just promise something was going to happen and then hit a wall. No. And then, yeah, yeah that's, no. that's very and, smart. I mean, th- at the time, I don't, I don't think anybody knew anything about Nintendo's online infrastructure and all sure. of that. There were a lot Most of Most of us still don't. Yeah. <laughs> <Many of laughs> still a lot of big question don't. marks there. But um, so just kind of going back a little bit, again, I, I mentioned the, the game originally came out in, in 2015 yeah. on, the, on the PC and the PS4 at the time, right? Yeah. 
Um, I saw it before it came out. You guys were here. Um, we did this indie open house event at IGN. Yeah. Before that, I think uh, Doug Doug said, "Hey, do you guys want to play this car soccer game? Yeah. I'll buy you pizza. Check it out." And I, I feel like, in hindsight, I think you guys had a hard time getting anybody to pay attention to the game. Yeah. And I remember the first time I played it, I was like, "This is awesome." But nobody will buy a car soccer game. Like I, I'm like I'm European. I love soccer. I love cars. But just kind of like that mixture. It's we're born with that. Yeah. But that the that two mixture of being European. But, but that mixture. There's also mayo on your front. Yeah. Right. Um, the but, big three. But that mixture felt like it, it would stand in the way of the game becoming a success in the U.S. And then it became a huge success. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? What What happened? How did How did it How did it happen? Well, it's a real. It's a very complicated answer. The it's, it's actually a sequel, right? The first yep. game came out in 2008 on PlayStation 3. It was called Supersonic Acrobatic Rocket Powered Battle Cars. Yeah, it rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> right off the tongue. And actually, it, it was so long that the characters couldn't fit in the PS3 storefront. Perfect. Uh, so they had to make like special adjustments for it to fit there. So you guys I, are marketing genius. <laughs> I, I wasn't there at the time. <laughs> okay, uh, but they they uh, they they've they've. The Rocket League choice was a better one. But, I mean, the, the what we had to do is, first of all, we had to break down what were the roadblocks for the original Battle Cars. And one of the – first of all, the climate was much different when Battle Cars 1 came out. It was in 2008, and as you know, I was working here. As you know, uh, at the time, downloadable games were not considered at the level that they are now. They mm-hmm. were just sort of extra stuff that were – kind of had a preconceived notion that they had hit a certain quality bar just because of what the sort of game that they are by default, right? Well, there was also um, for uh, specifically on like Xbox Live, there was actually a size limit of what yeah. you could uh, actually con- the call a downloadable game, yeah. which yes. I believe was like 500 megabytes at one point. No, that's right? that's, that's, that's later. Later, right? When it, it, was when it launched, smaller. it was 50 megabytes Dang. in 2005 when Xbox uh, 360 came out. So you had all these sort of creative constraints that we really hadn't seen since like the NES in terms of yeah. like, this is what you have to do to make this game here. So by nature, downloadable games were smaller. They we were. even had a show here hosted by Damon Hatfield called On the Download. Yep. We were like, these are all the hot games you can download this week. And now that's just... Just every it game. was considered yeah. to be a different platform. Like yeah. everybody mm-hmm. did their uh, all games media sites did the Game of the Year awards and had a category just for, for downloadable, downloadable games. games. Yeah. Just yeah. like like indie, still for a lot of them is a category instead of it just being like, no, these are games. These right. are all games. Exactly. They have different budgets, but the fun you derive can be equal. It can, um, and, not and, depending on the the format. And so, but it had that going against it right off the bat. And then you also had the fact that Sionix did not have any money to promote the game. It didn't have a PR team. It didn't have a marketing team. It didn't have any of the things that the large AAA studios had in place to promote it. And you also had things like YouTube that was just sort of getting its footing. Twitch didn't exist. Social media was just really kind of taking off. Um, And so all of these different factors that really played into the success of Rocket League didn't exist yet. The difference in between Rocket League and Battle Cars was... We had a small but dedicated community that gave us five years' worth of feedback that allowed us then mm. to take all that feedback and make a better Rocket League. So we knew to fix things like peer-to-peer. We got rid of that, or pair-to-pair if you're an IGN. Yep, yep. And, we got, and, and we instead we got dedicated servers. Players wanted customization, so we added customization in there, which they didn't have before. They wanted the ability to have the vehicle react the way in a more responsive way, so we improved our physics engine. And we just obviously took advantage of the fact that we had better technology on a PS4 and a PC than we did on PS3. So that was the, the beginnings of, of how the Rocket League approach uh, started. And then, again, we still didn't have any extra money for PR or marketing. So 
our approach was how do we get the game to be seen knowing that it has a roadblock of is this even something people are interested in? And the yeah. idea, that's where the PlayStation Plus idea came from because uh, Dave told me, he's like, we don't have any money, to, extra money to promote this game and we're working on Nosgoth. This is our passion project, but Nosgoth is our focus. Figure out how to do something with this because we believe in it. We just can't do anything more than we're already doing. You decided to give it away for free. So the, the approach was, <laughs> the, the idea was we put it on PlayStation Plus and we take and the fact that Sony put so much marketing less so it feels less so now than and then at that point, um, but at that point they put so much marketing behind their free games of the month mm-hmm. that they could essentially do the marketing for us. So if we were to give it the game away for free and we would come out with DLC uh, in a quick enough manner. That could help us recoup some of the losses. Granted, yeah. our DLC was inexpensive. You get you get a cut. I mean, it's not completely yeah. free for you, right? Like no. you, you guys get paid no. too by 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 Sony, obviously. We but do. Then DLC is where you make your money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that was our thought. Actually, okay. technically, uh, we sold a whole bunch of Rocket Leagues, right? We've yeah. sold an enormous amount. Um, the but at the time, our th- our thinking was we'll recoup that while we sell the PC version and all this all this uh, goodwill, hopefully. Uh, towards the game would then bleed over into the PC market and people would play. And because we had cross-network play, uh, the, the, the PC crowd, which is typically uh, not j- feet first into a console-based release, would give it a shot because they have a massive audience to play against right yep. off the bat. And so it was all these different factors that kind of helped influence that PlayStation Plus decision. And then uh, what worked out for us, unfortunately, especially since uh, our DLC didn't come out as quickly as we wanted, we... We didn't even have our concept for our DLC until right before we launched the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, or I should say, what that first DLC would be. We, we knew what it was, but we didn't right. know what the actual items would be. Uh, and then we basically used that Sony marketing machine to then power the rest of Rocket League and then really hammer home the idea of community first, which is Psyonix's company motto, and make sure that now what we're going to do is we're going to give the audience everything that they asked for as quickly as we can, and no matter what information we have to deliver, good or bad, we will deliver it to them and fe- and feel like we're a very accessible, compassionate, caring developer because we are. And by doing those things, we thought that that would help us build enough of a reputation to uh, to be given the benefit of the doubt. And yeah. it, it worked because yeah, that's. It <laughs> yeah, I was saying, but I was going to say all of that sounds like incredibly calculated, but it also terrifying yeah like there's the total opportunity that just you give the game away for free to a bunch of people and they're like thanks and they delete it from their hard drives yeah. i mean we see on i, I cover the playstation side here at ign I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hosting your old your old show uh when we yeah. cover playstation plus stuff usually it's games that have been kicking around for a little bit mm-hmm. that are going free or you know whatever you want to call it yeah you never really see or it's, it's more common now i think people are chasing kind of that business model it's more common now but you never really saw a brand new game launching exclusive or launching sort of like right there front and center on playstation plus where for the first time you're playing a new game for free yeah and was there fear that like the online infrastructure wouldn't work, that everything would sort of collapse again, like it had in the past? Every, I know you'd been there for that before. Everything, uh, <laughs> everything was terrifying. We, and, and the funny thing is, is our own estimations for the audience and PlayStation's estimation for the audience were so wrong. <laughs> we were just mm-hmm. so off base that as soon as we hit that problem of servers on launch. I mean, we, we were freaking out because now we're like, this is our reputation on the line. Sure. And it's and cost I, too, right? Yeah. yeah. And we're, we were small. I keep hitting yeah. the microphone. Sorry. We were small. Um, and I kept having flashbacks to the SimCity launch 
when they they were they had so many issues because of that online um, connectivity problem. And it broke that game's neck. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Right? It, it did, right? And they 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 actually ended up. I played that game, and they they ended up fixing all the issues that were a problem for it. They went in and they they made it really good. Uh, but because they had gotten so much heat for how poor, poorly the launch went, a lot of people didn't notice, and they only associate the launch with the game. Yeah. Right. And so that was what was going through my head, and I know the rest of the dev team are also uh, really concerned. But the we what we did was the best we could do, which was we're just going to tell everyone this is more people than we thought. We understand it, and we're going to fix it as soon as possible. Luckily, we had an offline mode you could play when it didn't. Uh, we while we were working on it, and in the span of about a week and a half, we actually rewrote the entire network code in the game wow. to support Crazy. the the way that we had set up. I mean, just to give you an idea of our naivete, uh, we because we were still learning. I mean, a lot of people um, who aren't in the games business or make games don't realize uh, necessarily that you can't just automatically scale a game for more users. You can't just pull servers out of anywhere. Yeah. You know, you have to prep the servers. You have to actually make sure they exist. Are they virtual servers or are they metal servers? I mean, we're, you know, all of these different questions. And uh, also, uh, because of the way we built the game and we didn't expect the sorts of numbers that we had, the server calls that we were making for things like trophies and uh, the, the news feed and actual matchmaking, they were all going to the same place. <laughs> uh, you know, rookie mistakes. But right. we, we, so we had to change all of these different uh, elements of the online uh, infrastructure. And they, they did it very quickly. We brought in someone who's still with us today. Uh, and we've ended up building an entire team around this where we had none. Now we have a massive, well, massive, relatively speaking, like 12, 13 so, uh, online service engineers. So now you're, you're, you're obviously, you've written, rewritten everything and you're accustomed to lots of people playing. It's a huge game now, you know. Yeah. Fast forward to today where it's a success. Uh, we have in our kitchen, we have eight uh, eight consoles hooked up and the two games that are always being played are Overwatch and Rocket League. Awesome. Right? Um, but, so now you have it coming out on Nintendo Switch. Yep. Is there anything you have to do or are you basically, you, you, you're ready for that? Because, um, you know, IGN's uh, uh, sister, un- under the old IGN company umbrella, we had a company called GameSpy Technologies. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually had Todd, who ran it on, on NVC before, to talk about um, the partnership that GameSpy back in the days had with Nintendo. It powered Battle Cards, by the way, GameSpy. Oh, it did? Yeah. Well, it also powered Mario Kart Mario on the Kart Wii. DS. And Wii, they, yeah, were, yeah. they were saying, all right, well, Nintendo people don't play games online. We're ready for it. And then Mario Kart launched, and they're like, Holy crap. I mean, so many people hit these servers and went online day one. It was a big surprise to everybody involved. Like, yep. what do you think the Switch version is going to be like for Rocket League? So it's not just, it's to, to borrow the, the name of the system, it's not just like switching on, on an extra service. We do have to do a lot of custom work. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we, and that is something, that is our online services team's number one priority right now is <clears throat> solving all of the new uh, questions that come up moving to that platform. And it's something that we're actively solving for all the time. Um, all, it's really tech, a lot of technical stuff that I don't think most people would care to hear. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge. And it's something that we're working on. We're confident we're going to solve all of the concerns that players coming in would have. We, we know that you're going to be able to play against players on other platforms. Mm-hmm. We, you're gonna, it, you shouldn't have matchmaking issues. Things are going to work just fine. Um, but getting to that point, lots and lots of work. Uh, and it's not just as e- it wasn't as easy as going to Xbox, for example, from uh, PC and PS4, where uh, a lot of that sort of those same basic principles that are set up on PS4 are exist it's on Xbox, yeah, just sure. in a slightly different way. 
Um, we but hear that kind of totally different. There's that condescending thing that gamers do a lot, and we're all guilty of it. Of just like just drag and drop the game over. And, you know, it's just <laughs> like there's a Switch folder. You drag the game from Xbox and the Switch, and it's done. Yeah, it's not that. Uh, so I used to work uh, on shooters for uh, for Zipper when we yep. worked on SOCOM, and we would get a lot of gamer feedback then. Whenever it came to things like. Uh, a level being too open, and can we make it a little bit more stealthy? And I, I liken that to any change we would make on in any game. And that's if you put, let's say, a new obstacle in this sight line. Now you have to rebalance the entire map around this. Is the sight line still useful in 360 degrees? Is the artwork, which has to be built, you just don't copy and paste it somewhere. Mm-hmm. An artist right. has to create those things. Is it uh, up to the same standards you have in the rest of the map? Is the are the hitboxes and the, and the geometry working properly? You have to QA test it. Then you have to make sure that uh, any other unforeseen problems don't crop up because you've now maybe introduced a new bug that wasn't there before. So changing anything in any wow. game is not as easy as oh we just did that. Right. You have to do an incredible amount of trial and error to get to the point to where it feels like. There's no problem at all. But do you have to worry about, like, with the Switch, do you have to worry about, like, voice chat? Or is that all platform side or in, in the app for Nintendo in this case? Uh, so is that on your guys' shoulders, too? It's, so it's, it's, a, it's tag team, right? Is Nintendo's providing the, uh, the SDKs and the things that we need to then support it in the way that we can. Um, but uh, that's a little bit of a complicated question because really uh, where we're going to be at in launch, we, we don't know yet. Right in terms of where we're at with voice chat, it really depends on how far along we are using Nintendo's SDK. So that's one of our questions that are still up in the air right now: just how gotcha. how much are we going to support voice chat? Are we going to be able to support voice chat at launch? Um, these are open questions, but whatever the answer is, we'll tell everyone as soon as we know. Cool. <laughs> so, so obviously, Nintendo's uh, online service right now is free. You know, everybody can play it, but it will move to a pay structure as well. And they've announced a system that that sounds a little bit like PS Plus, but it's classic games that are online enabled that are uh, being made playable. So, are you going to make us an eight bit Rocket League for that? Uh, I would like to do that. Wouldn't that be That's, cool? I was actually no joke. I was thinking about that last night when I was making dinner. I was like, man, we should really do like a retro Rocket League. That'd, That'd be, be so yeah, cool. Sixteen bit symmetric Rocket League, like a D make. Yeah, you could make. Yeah, you could uh, have lightning strike twice and have that yeah. one for free and sure. it with a Nintendo service. I, so we have a, we have a, an entirely dedicated prototype team at Psionics to think about what projects are working on next, and to think up new ideas for things that maybe the the live dev team, which is most of the studio, isn't working or is working on. And um, right now, uh, we don't have anything that kind of uniquely interesting to Rocket League. They're all kind of other ideas. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the chances are of me actually going to them and saying, do can we it. do this, would be. But I, you know, personally Jeremy, speaking. come on. I, hey. We're friends. I know. You're not as you know, you know you I'm a retro. You can't, can't tell You know I'm anything. a retro guy, too. <laughs> right. But uh, it's, you know, we have so many crazy ideas that it, I think it might be difficult to convince the team to do a slightly different version of Rocket League when they have all these other ideas. They're <laughs> uh, right. trying to offer Jeremy twenty dollars <laughs> to make Rocket League. Uh, Collusion. I, would, I would say never say never because we yep. we have a ton of game fans at the studio. Also, lots of retro fans. We actually have not one but uh, two uh, retro gaming cover bands at our studio. <laughs> That's um, very impressive. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. So I mean, we we have we have uh, that kind of lineage, but we also incredibly. Uh, psychotic when it comes to making Rocket League as good as possible, and we we focus on it so much that uh, if if that would serve as a distraction to create a different Rocket League, it won't happen. Sure. Hey, Jeremy, thank you so much for answering all our questions. Can you stick around for a couple of minutes while we sure. answer some user questions as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. Awesome. 
Cool. You, you got some uh, yeah, thanks, got some fan uh, So every week here at IGN and on NVC, we reach out to the Facebook group or we go to our IGN uh, and Nintendo Voice Chat official Twitter page or uh, we check our emails at nvc at IGN.com and we take your questions and we read them on the show in a little section called the question block. Today we got a question from Alan. He asks, quick question for everyone. With Nintendo E3 booth being themed the past two years, do you think or expect hope that we'll see a Metroid themed booth in the future? If so, what would you like to see there? What do you think will be next year's theme? Let the E3 2018 speculation begin. I can't even think about E3 yet. Yeah, we're really doing Why do you do that to us? That. Yeah. Is E3 fun for you on the dev no. side? <laughs> no. it, was, it wasn't fun for me on the terrorist side. I, no, I, <laughs> I've never liked E3. Really? Yeah. I, like, I still love it. It's I get still, excited to I still get terrified stuff. of it, though. Well, I, I used to get excited about E3 before I started working here, and then now well, I don't anymore. What? Well, we make Zach do all the planning and all the scheduling. Yeah, I can see why you don't like that. But So, I mean, my answer is, like, Metroid Prime is going to be one of their big games. Yeah. Obviously, hopefully it'll be ready to be shown at that show. And then, I mean, if, if I think about the franchise that they've given that royal treatment to, it was Mario. Zelda, Mario. It was Zelda. Mm-hmm. So where do they go next? I mean, Smash Brothers obviously is still out there. We'll probably Smash get Brothers an announcement. Smash Brothers will make for a terrifying booth experience because people will just be rough, rough fighting all through that booth. Yep. Just yep. really yep. getting in there and throwing punches. But Maybe you, that announcer voice yelling the entire time. Trying to toss I, you off a cliff or something. I, I, I got to think, especially for Game. a U.S. audience. For a U.S. audience, Metroid just feels like the right thing to yeah. do. Their little Disneyland with, unless you got that eight bit Rocket League coming. And, yeah. <laughs> I, I I would love to see it though. I'm, I'm a big Metroid fan. I think that would be great. And I'm when we, we we didn't know about any of the other announcements other than our own during the E3 uh, announcement. So when we saw the Metroid stuff, we were watching it. I have Stephanie here off off stage. We were watching it, and I got super excited. Yeah. When I was like, oh, it's Metroid. I can't even imagine being able to walk into like a fully built out Planet Zebus. Like, yep. Yeah. yeah. Now Jeremy oh, Samus becomes a ball. Yeah. I, you know, you're like the the fourteenth uh-huh. person to mention that today. <laughs> today we get so many we get so many suggestions for what to put in in Rocket League. Have you ever um, noticed that your ball looks like Sam's? <laughs> <laughs> we uh, if so, if you do want to see specific stuff in Rocket League, the uh-huh. Nintendo based for the Switch version, though, tell Nintendo. Oh, interesting. And let them know. Uh, because they are the keepers of their own IP. Right. So the stuff that looks like it's something that the community would really want, hit them first, and then. That gives us the fuel to go nice. after it. Okay. I feel like Mar- That's Mario's an insider out, tip. I like that. Mario's out there hanging out with like weird Donkey Kong rabbits and stuff like that. Now. Sure. So the rules are they're out the window. Anything yeah. goes. So yeah, Folks, you, you, you heard Jeremy, yeah. Nintendo fans. Uh, tweet at Nintendo of America and uh, tell him you'd love to see some Samus rolling around with That's some right. Uh, Greg asks, hey, everyone. Question one. Do you think we'll get any Nintendo franchise game that would only use Touch to incorporate Touch heavily into gameplay on the Switch. So a touch-only game from first party. We've seen a couple. We talked about Severed earlier. Uh, yeah. But nothing specifically from Nintendo has been touch-only. Do you guys think we'll see anything like that? If they were to do something touch-only, I'd have to assume that it would be WarioWare. Mm. Um, you, you know, WarioWare touched on the DS was... Was that? No, that wasn't on DS. It was... Uh, yeah, it was, no, it was, it was on DS. It was on DS, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's the only that's the only like core Nintendo franchise that I can think of. I say core loosely that I could think of being touch only on. They did the Zelda Switch. games for the DS, yeah. obviously. Yeah, they were but I mean, they're not going to put out a touch Zelda. I feel like if they make a Wario where it's going to use like all parts of the deer, they're yeah. going to be like, take off the left Joy-Con and switch sure. it with the right Joy-Con and then pick, put up the kickstand. Maybe will use that little pointer, the IR thing. Probably. That's, that hasn't been used for to great effect outside of. Uh, I mean, yeah. That's true, yeah. 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 But. Um, I, I don't think Nintendo would make a touch-only game for Switch. I think they're all about, um, you know, adjusting the play experience to how you're playing with the system. And, like, I don't think they want to ever limit anybody. Like, it, it, it just feels very un-Nintendo, don't you think? Yeah. 
Yeah. We'll see. I mean, they do have a lot. They have a you know decade plus legacy of touchscreen only games sure. that they've been de- developing for their own platforms. So, or like a virtual console, I could see it like that limitation. Sure. But you can still do Joy-Con pointer with with touchscreen games too. Right. I mean, yeah. You could still right. make it work. Uh, and he says, question one, part two. I swear <laughs> that's the end of it. Uh, he says, will, exp- will inexpensive touch games take away value from the Nintendo eShop or will they have a home there? So effectively, like all these sort of like mobile ports we're seeing, sort of like the smaller, cheaper games that are starting to flood the shop. Some are great, some are not. Uh, do you guys think that takes away from the value of the overall store? I don't think so. And I also don't think there's going to be a lot of them. Yeah. Because, you know, giving developers options are great. But the market kind of determines and the communities determine what works and what doesn't. And we've already seen through other platforms, uh, like Vita comes to mind, uh, and the, the back touch, for example, yeah, right? yep. which was a, a, a highly touted feature prior to release, but it wasn't really used in, in, in actual Poorly practice. Implemented, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that's because, uh, not because developers couldn't think of ways to use it. I mean, they did. It's just because uh, it just didn't, it didn't work, very it didn't well. work yeah. right? Yeah. It, yeah. So I think it really, I think that w- the, the one thing that uh, most game developers need to realize, and I think fans are the same way, are it, it's great to have that feature, but not to have it for the sake of having it. And I think that over time, you'll see that some games will implement it very well, but probably not at a large degree sure. uh, and only where necessary. And I think that that's the most important thing. The game developers make the game that makes sense to their vision and what their uh, their audience wants and not necessarily just to incorporate something because it's there. Cool. I like that Greg also signs off by saying best Greg. That's a pretty bold claim, Greg. Congratulations. <laughs> it's best comma, Greg, but yeah. Yeah, Zach doesn't know commas. <laughs> hey, thank you guys so much. Um, Jeremy, um, if people like you yeah. and want to give you feedback and let you know what you should add to Rocket League, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, they can find me at Dunham Smash, all one word. Uh, and uh, that's the only social media I use because I'm old. Yeah, that's fine. Thank, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. It's always great yeah, to come back. No, and seriously, visit. thanks yeah, for coming absolutely. back. No, it's awesome to have you on, and we'll sign off in a second. But uh, you know, if you out there enjoyed the show, obviously remember to give us good feedback. If you're listening to this on on iTunes, uh, drop a review, five stars, of course, uh, always. Uh, you can subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can find us on IGN. But there are other shows that you could be watching, too. For example, we have the founder and one of the current hosts of uh, Beyond, uh, you know, one of our, our big podcasts and has been around for, God, how many years ten, now? Ten years. Ten years. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. yeah, it's ancient. So check that out, too, if you have a PlayStation. But also the IGN show on Disney XD is back, uh, you know, starting on Monday again at 9 p.m. You can watch it uh, on your cable station or you can come back to, to IGN uh, a day later and watch it here as well. And we'll have some Rocket League on that as well coming yeah. up. It's a good so. Show, I actually watch it. Very nice. So Thank you know you. where to find Jeremy. Where can people find you, Brian? Uh, I'm at Agent Bizzle on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Zacharias D. And also, don't forget to follow the uh, NVC podcast at at NVC Podcast on Twitter. On and Twitter. then you know, join the uh, Facebook group. There's the uh, Nintendo Voice Chat Podcast forums, which has uh, seven thousand uh, members now. So you know, you could be next, and you can find me at Pair IGN on Twitter. And we'll see you next week again. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.